Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of Scripture and theology. We've been working our way through the letter that we know as 1 Peter. It's a letter that Peter wrote to encourage Christians who were suffering because of their faith. He was writing to encourage them with the gospel, even in the midst of their suffering, that they might learn to continue to entrust themselves to God, even as Christ did, who Peter tells us is our example, as they face suffering, that they might continue to rest in Christ, to find their hope in the gospel, to know that they have in fact been born again to a living hope and that suffering in this world, and especially unjust suffering in this world, doesn't speak against that. So he wanted to encourage them And he wanted also to teach them how to live in the light of this glorious gospel. And so he wants to teach us how to live in the light of this glorious gospel. And that's what we see him doing here in the verses that we're looking at today. We're working our way right now through chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And today we're going to look specifically at verse 8. I'm going to read this whole section because it kind of works together, but we're going to focus on verse 8. So let me pray for us, and then I'll read these incredible verses. Father, we thank you for the love that we have in Christ. We thank you that you have loved us to the point of giving your son, that he loved us to the point of laying his life down for us. We ask that you would strengthen us now to live in the light of that love. We ask that you would strengthen us to love one another even as Christ has loved us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Peter writes in chapter 4, verse 7, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as God's good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, We're going to look specifically at verse 8 this morning. It says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. The call to love is not an uncommon call by any stretch of the imagination throughout the New Testament. We're told repeatedly that we're to love one another here Peter dives into this reality, reminding these people that are suffering that they are to love one another. Above all, he says, keep loving one another earnestly. Doggedly love one another. Be fixated on that. Now, why might he write to suffering Christians and encourage them in this way? I think it's for this reason. When we face suffering, as we have pointed out numerous times going through 1 Peter, the most natural thing in the world for us to do, and it's exactly what our flesh wants us to do, and we have to fight it, the most natural thing in the world for us to do is to turn 
inward and start protecting ourselves at, by any means necessary at the expense of absolutely anyone around us. And Peter reminds us that that is not how we as Christians are to act toward one another. Rather, we are to continue earnestly loving each other. See, when we get honest about our responses to suffering and when we get honest about the fact that, that when we suffer, the most natural thing for us to do is to feel self-defensive and self-protective, we begin to feel the weight of exactly what Peter is calling us to here. Because loving each other requires us to set ourselves aside, to lay our lives down for each other, to bear with each other rather than protecting ourselves from each other. There's all kinds of talk in the church about self-care, and, and I suppose there are some versions of that that may be acceptable and, and even helpful. But too often, self-care goes the route and comes to the conclusion that people that are hard to love or people that, that loving them requires a lot of us, that we need to back off and we need to care for ourselves. Or that in moments in our life where we have something difficult going on, perhaps what we need to do is step away from others and, and take care of us for a minute first. Well, Peter's writing to those who have something else going on. He's writing to those Christians who are suffering tremendously and whose flesh is undoubtedly calling out to care for itself. And he calls them to love each other. Because love covers a multitude of sins. See, that's the harsh reality is, is Peter's not calling them to love each other because they're dealing with each other well. He's calling them to love each other because they're not. This call to love is a common one. We read in John 13, 35, by this, this new commandment that Jesus gives to love one another, by this, people will know that you are my disciples. It, it identifies us. It sets us apart from the world and, and, and reminds us and reminds the world who we are. We see, of course, in 1 Corinthians 13, that great love chapter. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. 
For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Likewise, we read in 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This is what Peter is calling us to. He recognizes that such a call means we have to set ourselves aside, that by the Spirit's help and work within us, we have have to put to death the deeds of the body. But this is precisely what Peter, what Paul, what Jesus, what James, what John, what they all call us to. Sacrificial love for one another. Peter, of course, has already called us to this. Numerous times. Chapter 1, verse 22, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. He fleshes this out as he goes on, eventually coming to chapter 2, verse 1, So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Later in chapter 2, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the calling of the Christian. And Peter tells us it's the calling of the Christian because this love covers a multitude of sins. Now, he is not here saying that somehow we atone. It's not that type of covering that he's talking about. He's not saying we atone for each other's sin. Though this isn't a direct quote of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, it most certainly is an allusion to it. And that verse says this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Jesus is, or Peter here is picking up on the last half of that proverb. And so we are right to understand it in that context. If in response to each other's frustrations, if we only hate each other and grow frustrated with each other and and bite each other and, and devour each other, that's only going to stir up more strife. But if we love one another, it brings it all to an end. Karen Jobes writes this, If so, the love that covers sins is probably best understood as a forbearance that does not let wrongs done within the Christian community come to their fullest and most virulent expression. The downward spiral is broken when someone in loving forbearance breaks the cycle of acting on hard feelings and doing wrong. As White explains, 
A person who is under the control of godly love acts when a private personal injury has been done to him as though nothing had occurred. In this way, by simply ignoring the unkind act or the insulting word, he brings the evil things to an end. It dies and leaves no seed. This consideration gives dignity and worth inestimable to the feeble efforts of the most insignificant of us to make love the controlling principle in our daily lives. Above all things, dear Christians, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. Thank you.